Welcome to our new TV title Nicolas Cage podcast. I'm Luke. I'm Devin. And I'm very concerned by that weird version of Zip Zap Zop that just happened. I'm Abby. Hi, Abby. I'm Luke. God, this is going to be a fucking nightmare. Thank you. Hi, Devin. Hi, Abby. Uh, yeah, I think this is going to start off being a Patreon-only thing that will just be free there, so I assume there won't be any random strangers who are listening to this. But if you don't know, Devin and I do a podcast called Multiversal Q currently, and Abby and I live together. We're dating. (laughs) Can I just bow out now? Is it too late? I mean, the download is only about a quarter of the way there, so theoretically you could if you're a coward. How dare you, sir? This is the good teen romance action that the people need in their times of need. <laughs> yes. I know. I realized that, oh shit, we accidentally started a quarantine podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, babies and podcasts are probably going to be the highest produced items out of this entire thing oh hey if you if you don't want to make babies make a podcast and then that way when all the old people die off the babies will have things to learn about the way the earth used to be jesus i started asking netflix last night if they could just let us do like a full countrywide version of the circle i mean they could also do like digital version two of love is blind Which would essentially just be, like, one of those lava line chat things, only, like, they'd video conference at the end of it. Nice. Wait, have you watched all of Love is Blind? No. Oh, okay. I have watched none of Love is Blind. I don't know what the circle is. (gasps) So it's thick Big Brother, except for you can only communicate through social message apps because you are in different rooms. Okay, right, I forgot about that one. That show's great. It's also very wholesome. Is it really? Surprisingly. The way I describe it to people is like, think like you're watching like the Great British Baking Show version of like Big Brother. Like everyone's kind of nice to each other. Like it's like we all understand that we're all on video and none of us can like play off each other so we can't have like an established villain or like anything like that. So we're all just kind of going to play by the rules and not be dicks. There were a couple of dicks at the beginning, but they all got eliminated real quick. As they should. Good. I just think elimination in this case might be like going into a fire shoot and getting burned alive. It Mm -hmm. seems like it might be appropriate. Well, a fire shoot is typically in a circle. Like when you slide down the pole, you go through a circle on the floor. I would vote for Luke to be the first person (laughs) to the fire shoot. Ah, uh, so calls to kill me already aside. I'm glad that we just established our general points of references for shit where I go to murder and you're like, ooh, firehouse. <laughs> Only one what? of us has Red Devil in the White City. Guess which one it is. Certainly not me. Mr. Librarian. Shh, I read books. We have movies at our library and video games. Uh, so what is this podcast going to be? I don't know, Luke. You tell me. <laughs> 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 One person here knows what this podcast is going to be. I don't remember how this podcast came about. I just remember... I think we were reading through the um, Wikipedia entries for Nicolas Cage's filmography, and mm-hmm. you were just kind of shocked at my lack of seeing of Nicolas Cage movies and then you were like I have one person who has seen no Nicolas Cage movies I have a friend who is a big fan of Nicolas Cage movies let's make them do a podcast together mm-hmm. which Nicolas Cage movies have you seen I have seen a total of five movies with Nicolas Cage in them only two of them 
or three of them are actually Nicolas Cage movies, you would call them. I have seen the last 10 minutes of Moonstruck in a family dynamic psychology class in undergrad. That's no good, because you don't get to see him shouting, get me the big knife, which is the quintessential scene of the entire film. I was told that it had to count. The other four I have seen are National Treasure and National Treasure 2. Both classics. And then I have seen both Teen Titans go to the movie and Into the Spider-Verse, which he just happens to do voice roles in. I've not seen Teen Titans go to the movies. I don't know. Spider-Verse, I would actually say that role is very much a cage role. Mm-hmm. It, it's much less of a cameo role than Teen Titans go to the movies is where he just gets to finally voice Superman. Yeah. There. from what i've gathered yeah like i mean you actually get nick cage in that uh spider-man noir <laughs> i i do truly love unabashedly both national treasure and national treasure too one of the highlights of my eighth grade dc trip was the fact that we got to watch national treasure as like our last movie as we were driving to dc from ohio we also watched the first national treasure during my eighth grade dc field trip my bus didn't have a DVD player, and the other ones were all watching Pirates of the Caribbean. Nice. My bus almost drove off a cliff. That was exciting. Two years above me, um, two people had started doing something of a sexual nature in the bathroom. So every year after them, they um, split the buses, girls in the front, boys in the back, to deter people with like a, two rows of chaperones in the middle. To, like, monitor and deter people from doing weird, gross middle school sex things in the bus bathroom. Uh, ours was that as well. <laughs> I just listened to Weird House running with scissors on loop. They trusted us, though, apparently, because we only had one row of chaperones in between. <laughs> <laughs> we had had an actually fabled incident about it. That's how we did not. <laughs> I spent a large amount of money on jawbreakers. It's amazing how on brand you are. I know. Throughout your entire life. Hmm. Jesus. <laughs> uh, and then I am the middle ground, far closer to Devin than you, Abby, in terms of amount of Nicolas Cage movies that I've watched. Devin, how many Nicolas Cage movies have you seen? Oh boy. What, what a, a great, great question. question. I have, however, seen Nicolas Cage in person. I stalked him for about a block and a half when I was, like, in between my freshman and sophomore years of high school when I was on a people-to-people trip and we were in Bath, England. And Nicolas Cage was just walking down the street in, like, a emerald green large check jacket. Nice. And his bald spot, even like a decade ago, was much bigger in the back than you would think it would be at that point in time. Uh, According to Letterboxd, I have seen 51 of his films. How many films are there total? According to Letterboxd, 114. (laughs) Jesus. Now, some of that are some, like, documentaries he's featured in, but yeah. That bro is poor, and he needs to make money to try to be less poor. Yeah, but that gets us a lot of wild movies of, like, varying qualities of Cage. Because, I mean, for every... I don't think I've actually seen a bad, bad Nick Cage film. No, there are some. Some of these new home-release videos he's been making have not been the best. Okay, but, like, the past few of them that I've seen have been, like, The Color Out of Space, Mom and Dad. Yeah, but you're watching the good ones. Those ones were deemed worthy enough to be shown in theaters for a week. (sighs) Both of them were good. Oh, they were. And I I guess our goal here is to figure out if Nick Cage is good or bad. I suppose so. Like, if he's a quality actor? Let's make Abby think that he's a quality actor. To which he is, Abby. Just gonna let you know that right now. This podcast is brainwashing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, once the file is finished downloading, we are going to watch Nicolas Cage's first 
feature film or first film where he is featured? No, first feature. First first film where he is the lead role, Luke. That's Previous that's... to that, he was just somebody's friend in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Pretty much. And part of the Coppola family. Yes, Valley Girl, the movie we will be watching, directed by Martha Coolidge, is the first time where we actually have Nicolas Cage operating under his new name. So that he could try to distance himself from the Coppola family and establish himself as a great actor in his own right. Now, do you know, Abby, where he got the last name Cage from? Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mr. Cage loves himself some comic books. Yes, I am also aware of his son's name. You talk also about Cal. Too, where he had they, they had to cover up a Ghost Rider tattoo that he has on himself while he was actually filming Ghost Rider because that would have been weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that is holy shit! But this is a but this is a man who owns his own pyramid that he's going to be buried in when he dies. So. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing to have, you know, just the essential. Mm-hmm. It's like grand designs, except grave designs. God damn it. Get Jen on that, I guess. <laughs> Wait, is that where we're going to do the podcast where we just review people going through their Sims houses? No, I feel like Jen would just like a subsection where they could just make very fancy sarcophagi for people. In mausoleums? Yes. Fair. Uh, I will write that down. But yeah, it is interesting because even though I haven't seen at my Nick Cage film is very low in terms of count, I am like very aware of the memes and the persona and the jokes. So it will kind of be interesting like going through and like actually seeing the films as opposed to just like the essential online ethos that has been built up around this man for like the past decade. Mm -hmm. Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Community have both done episodes trying to understand Nicolas Cage. Hopefully they're better. The Brooklyn Nine-Nine one was amazing. Mm -hmm. I don't recall the Brooklyn Nine-Nine one. We watched Working Girl yesterday and I was so disappointed that the Bob's Burger episode did not prepare me for how shitty every single person in that movie actually is. That's That's fair. Everyone sucks in Working Girl. But you know, Die Hard, everybody is great. Mm-hmm. Another film I have not seen. Mm-hmm. But it, for the Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode, it is the episode where both... It is Kevin and Jake are forced together because someone's trying to murder Kevin. And is there an isolation? Oh, that's they're, right. They're yeah, and they just... Films. Yes. And then there's the one about the piano that Kevin gets pissed. The mandolin. Yes. Kevin Corelli's mandolin. Yes, however, he doesn't reveal that Nicolas Cage actually has, like, this far-reaching career of both crazy action films, but also, like, crazy dramas as well. I do remember that episode. He has a film everyone can enjoy. Like, there is a reason why he got Oscar-nominated really early. Ah, Luke. Not Oscar nominated really early. He was an Oscar winner super early. You can't be a winner without being nominated, Devin. That's fair. But third time, but he's the was at the time the third youngest uh, winner of the Academy Award for Best Actor. No, I think he's fifth. At the age of thirty-three. It is kind of interesting we're doing this podcast because in like the five days where before, like, when Luke and I first met, when I thought he was still, like, a very cool individual. (laughs) I have this distinct memory of him telling me he was going to go see Mom and Dad, and we had this conversation about Nick Cage, and I think he brought up the fact that he had a friend who was very into Nick Cage, Devin, and that friend is you. Nice. That is true. And Mom and Dad was a very good movie. Yeah, I loved Mom and Dad. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think as we go through, we'll need to make some exceptions, because Abby, you are not necessarily a big person who likes gore and horror. I can do gore, I just don't want to see horror. Well, are we talking body torture horror, or you don't like being spooked? I don't like being spooked. I mean, like, 
I don't know. I do gore mostly through like autopsy shit. So. Yeah, you were a lot more fine with the like scenes of intense, random, like gross medical stuff in Heart of Dixie more than I was. Yeah, that's because I've watched 15 years of CSI and <laughs> Criminal Minds and you kind of get desensitized to shit. In terms of like the spookiness, Luke, I don't really think there's any movie that is what I would consider scary. Well, what about Mandy? I would say that is still more trippy than it is scary. Mm, okay, uh, some of the latter stuff in uh, Color Out of Space. Still wouldn't say that movie was scary. That's the problem. I would actually honestly say none of his movies are scary. They are way too like visually like ethereal to be like a scary film. That director or Nicolas Cage? The, the films themselves. Oh, no, because in terms of acting, I thought Cage was great in both of those. Oh, yeah. No, he was... Uh, well, I haven't seen Mandy yet, but he was great in Color Out of Space. Yet? No. Damn. Damn. That was when I had switched my uh, memberships, and then I haven't gone to the horror movie marathon. Because they've shown it at least once. They showed it last year. It's also been postponed. Oh, because like here we had it. It was uh, our local theater sounded as a midnight movie a couple times. I, I've been very detrimental to Luke's like, let's go randomly watch 12 movies in like a very short period. Because I'm like, hey, that's a dumb idea. Please don't do that. Disagree, but sure. <laughs> I hate movie theaters. I love the marathon. <laughs> the marathon is something special. And you don't knock until you try it. And also, it took me three tries until I made it all the way through. That's true. Mm -hmm. Our local theater is going to do one next weekend, but that ain't happening now. <laughs> How much of a lockdown is Minnesota on? At the moment, not a whole lot. Or, like, so, like, bars and restaurants are still open? Oh, no, those are all... Well, those are takeout only. So, I guess, yeah, a decent amount of lockdown. But we have yet to be told we're not sheltering in place. Yeah. Are you allowed to get a haircut? I don't know. I, I had to get my last haircut on Thursday. Nice. Or, no, Wednesday, Wednesday. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Thursday was Pokemon Podcast. Yeah, it was like, oh, hey, yeah, we're going to be shut down for the indefinite future, so if you want to get a haircut, go, go come in now. The comic shop is still open, though. Oh, yeah, I stopped by the Ogre and picked up my books, because they're like, uh, yeah, we don't want to go out of business because our world is on fire. Yes. How about yours? Twitch, I was going to even call them and suggest how they can still stay kind of open if they don't want to actually have people come in the store, which is, I will hit send you money please read me the digital copy codes from my marvel comics that you're doing for me oh the uh the ogre is offering five dollar they will mail it to you oh okay or uh they can do curbside pickup or yeah store. isn't yep. mailing comic books still somehow very convoluted and semi-illegal uh yes and no it's basically because they're still registered as a magazine and so you have to pay magazine prices for mailing them unless they are going to be viewed as a collectible item, in which case you can get around that. But that's because uh, printed comic books uh, have ads in them. You can't just send them as media mail? Nope, uh, because there is commercial advertisement in them. Interesting. Man, they didn't catch me that one time I did that. <laughs> Oh boy. Well, well, trades, like I said, are different. But like when I tried to mail a uh, cover that I had uh, Mike Watson do for a Secret Santa exchange, it was uh, the person would not accept it because they were apparently very familiar with that. But I had gone to the post office that was literally down the block from the ogre. Oh, sure. sure. But, I mean, I think media mail isn't too much more expensive than, uh, like, the normal cost. Media mail is a $3 flat shipping fee. Or maybe $4. Yeah, 
Because that is why I did it, because I shipped the entire summer's worth of comics that I was buying when I was at my mom's house in Vermont as I was waiting for school to reopen. Fair. Okay, yeah, if you're doing it that way, I was just thinking, like, shipping a single issue of a comic. It was not shipping a single issue. Yeah, it was shipping months of comics. Like, two months worth of comics. Fair. Well, uh... That's just when you write stuffed animals on the outside of the box and take it to UPS. Nice. Oh, well, and I guess there might be a difference based on the post office that you go and then, like, how much you're trying to ship. I'm very excited to watch this random 80s movie and to figure out who sucks. Because in the last two 80s movies that we've watched, it's like, oh, people actually just kind of suck in general in this movie. Well, beyond Working Girl, what was the other one? It is a general... It's a general thesis I'm working with. Leave me alone. But you said in the last two. Everybody kind of sucks. I mean, there's just kind of a lot of, like, let's suck capitalism's dick hurrah. Oh, yeah. In a lot of, like, mid to late 80s movies. Are you talking about the one where, uh, with the twin, with the two pairs of twins? Yes, which was a delight. But, again, let's suck capitalism dick hurrah. Well, Nicolas Cage is a punk in this film, so he is not as into capitalism. Because as the tagline goes... She's cool. He's hot. She's from the valley. He's not. Is, but she's but the valley is like loser people, right? Yes. Or, oh yeah, okay, I wasn't sure like if that was backwards or not. Okay. Or it depends what you're referring to as loser people. Well, I think like the premise is like essentially she's Sandy and he's Danny. If we want to put it in those words, right? I think I broke down. No. What's that? You have not seen Grease? Oh, those, yeah. That movie, we also watched that one on the 8th grade field trip to D.C. I thought that movie was bad. Wait, have you only ever seen Grease once in your life? Yes, in 8th grade. On a bus to D.C. On a bus to D.C. That is fucking mind-blowing to me. I'm sorry, Grease was one of those movies that, like, I went through, like, a three-month period in my life where I would just go to the Bexley Public Library, and every week I would either get out Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, Grease, or, like, half a season of Are You Being Served. My sister is still pissed at me about this, but it's just mind-boggling that there are people who have only seen the movie Grease once. I haven't seen Grease since my senior year of high school. Because there was a early release at our school, but none of the buses could come. And so the principal just had to put everybody who was stuck there into the cafeteria to watch Greece. I was in Greece, junior, in seventh grade. And that was when I discovered I was not a theater kid. Nice. Yep. Well, uh, before we get into this movie, do you want to read off the movie facts, like who the director is and all that sort of thing? Sure. Yeah, sure thing. How much do you want to know? I mean... Everything. I want to know who the who the gaffer was. Who is the uh, best boy? Best boy. Best boy. Well, this was a film that was directed in 1983 by Martha Coolidge, who would also direct such films as Real Genius and Rambling Rose... You also have it produced by Wayne Crawford and Andrew Lane. They, both of those men also wrote it. And then this film stars Nicolas Cage as Randy. You got Deborah Foreman as Julie Richmond, Elizabeth Daly as Lauren, Heidi Holliker as Stacy, Michael Bowen, later to be featured in many Nic er, in, uh, Quentin Tarantino films as Tommy, Cameron Dye as Fred, Michelle Merrick as Susie, Lee Purcell as Beth, Colleen Campus, Sarah Richmond, and then the best father in potentially any 80s films, Frederick Forrest as Steve Richmond. So I'm going to, just by looking at this, I'm going to posit that everyone from the Valley has a last name, and all of the kids from Not the Valley apparently did not need last names and are like share single monikers. So I'm going to go with... Randy, Lauren, Tommy, and Stacy are all gonna be from whatever Nick's side, Nick Cage side of the tracks we're working with. God, no. 
only Nicolas Cage and Fred are from are the punk kids. Everyone else is valley people. Well, damn. I don't really know why Fred has a last name. The other ones is because they're related, so it's more it's just so you know that. Mm. And Richard Sanders is driver's ed teacher. Richard Sanders, who you may remember from WKRP in Cincinnati, <laughs> Men of Honor, and Day of the Tentacle. Nice. I like how both Day and Tentacle are singular. Like, you would think it would be, like, maybe multiple. Maybe if it's a singular tentacle, it only takes one day to defeat. Well, I mean, that way you open it up for Day of the Tentacles, and then Days of the Tentacle, and then Days of the Tentacles. That's the most fucking Twitter naming of a series of movies I've ever heard in my life. Thank you. Two Day, Two Tentacle. And this was a movie that was trying to be stopped by Frank Zappa because he did not like that it was called Valley Girl, which was the name of one of his songs back around that same time. Oh no! What? And Zappa had such a wide-ranging audience that they would be confused. Basically. <laughs> he failed to stop it. Needless to say. The main things that I know about Frank Zappa are... From the best show bit and where it's just a guy who's a big zappa head calls in and gets very angry when he gets high and then also i found out that my dad was into zappa in college and it's like wow this totally changed my perception of my dad in college i can nice. i know nothing about frank zappa i completely believe that your dad was big into frank <laughs> zappa in college though so say my mom was into frank zappa would you believe my dad was into Frank Zappa? I would believe your mom was into Frank Zappa. Oh, your dad, yeah, I can see it. He does listen to a lot of NPR and classical music. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I don't know if he can still get bluegrass. <laughs> well, when we lived in Dayton, there was a really good local bluegrass station. Yeah, I can see bluegrass not being a big-ticket item in Santa Fe, New Mexico, though. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, looking on the IMDb, some users have ranked this on quintessential LA films, best Nicolas Cage movie, most memorable prom night movie, the best 80s teen movie, teen movies there might be a test on, and best rom-coms of the 80s. Might be a test on in what? Well, apparently this movie did back, especially back in the 80s, went on to grow a huge cult following where they actually had like parties and kind of like the big dress-up events. Not quite to the same extent as, like, your Rocky Horrors, but apparently it was apparently it was very popular at the college campuses. I, no, did the, I'm wondering if the dress-up parties included, like, we're gonna dress for, like we're from the Valley, and you dress like you're from L.A., and it's kind of be, gonna be like a pimps and hoes kind of terrible mess. Potentially. What happened if someone thought they were going to a Valley Girl party, but instead they got into a Rumblefish party? It was like, oh, shoot. I did, until very recently, think Troop Beverly Hills and Valley Girl were the same thing. Nice. Not the case, but yes. Not at all the case. I was very surprised when I googled Valley Girl, and it was not Troop Beverly Hills, though. Quentin Tarantino also apparently loves this movie. Well, yeah, but Tarantino loves 50s revivalism. This is an 80s movie, Luke. Yeah, but also the 80s loved 50s revivalism. That part's fair. Yeah. Again, Grease. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we've got about 30 seconds for the download to finish, so we will wrap this up and get started on watching that movie. How's that sound? I, 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 it sounds great, because i got to go fire my PS4. PlayStation, yum. <laughs> you may find I don't return after the movie is done. <laughs> and, and no one would blame you. <laughs> and we'll stop the recording now. This will just be my descent into madness into after we've been quarantined together for a number of weeks. It's I, good to document these things for court purposes after this, Luke's murder. This would be a very long fallout data file that gets found. 
we just got back from watching Valley Girl. Yay. What a great movie. What did you all think? I know this was your first time. I didn't like it. Luke, please get off the call. It's very interesting watching it for the first time in 2020. Go on. I, there are lots of parts that have not aged super great. That part is fair. When did you first watch Valley Girl? A couple of years ago. Okay, so we're not quite dealing with the uh, the Hulk getting pancakes <laughs> issue like we were. Oh, correct, yes. Okay. Yeah, it it's something where I think setting-wise it does a lot of good stuff, but the story moves at such a slow pace. There's a lot of, like Abby has said, not aged well plot lines and facets to the movie. I don't think a lot of the humor landed, and I I don't think Nick Cage was a good actor in this one, except when he was drunk or acting crazy. See, you just want crazy Cage. I disagree. To me, this is romantic Cage, and nothing actually beats romantic Cage. I had a very hard time believing romantic Cage, so mm-hmm. I think that might be a recurring thing that I just deal with given the fact that I just, my limited Cage knowledge and where I'm coming from on Cage is the entire thing just because of my perspective on Cage and not having seen that much and pretty much only have having seen memes and super hyped up National Treasure Cage, there was something about this that felt really hard to believe. Like, it was hard to feel like he was actually a romantic lead, and it felt kind of insincere because of that. I think part of it was because I kept expecting him to go, like, crazy or do something insane. So just, like, very kind of earnest teen heartthrob Nick Cage was kind of ingenuine. This is going to be a very long podcast then for you because crazy cage doesn't show up until around the mid 2000s yeah i I have i have gathered that Uh uh-huh but so it'll be interesting to see if that gets undone a little bit by having seen more of his early works Mm -hmm. and less crazy cage and we get a lot of romantic cage in his early work as well right i just didn't get romantic vibes off of him and I thought that he just alternated between looking very bored and very just out of it. It's not bored, it's that sad puppy dog look that he's given her. But there's a difference between like a puppy who does not normally look sad who looks sad and then like a basset hound that always just naturally looks sad and I think we got more of a basset hound. See, I disagree, Luke. (laughs) that longing look that he gives her when he first walks in at the party yeah Mm. it's just it's a very of its time film oh very much so that is like peak 80s film even to the point where like martha coolidge was talking about the fact that their movie was one of the first ones that kind of created like the whole popular songs and movies we were talking about that and like how Luke mentioned it was nice to hear songs that you don't always hear in 80s movies, but then there are some you always hear in 80s movies. And then I was wondering, like, is everything that's trying to create an 80s movie soundtrack that's being done now just a reaction to, like, these were the songs that were in, like, the original 80s movies, so these songs must then be in our recreations of that, which is how you get, like, Modern's English um, melt with you in, like, every single fucking recreation of an 80s movie because it was in this one. It pretty much is, because there's a whole thing about the fact that it like, was only played on one radio station, and it was like Martha Coolidge and one of the producers heard it, and apparently kept singing it to themselves so that they could call the radio station and figure out what the hell that song was called, because no other station in the California area was playing it. Really? That's really interesting. So apparently this was like the first time that it was put out in like anything. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, that's super cool, and also kind of sucks, because now Modern English is 
or Mel with you is so fucking overused in so many things. So thank you, Martha Coolidge, for both introducing us to and ruining modern English's Melt with You. I mean, it could have been worse. Johnny, are you queer? Could have been the hit song from the eighties used in every movie. See, that's a good song, though. I, I think that song's a banger. Because <laughs> actually, the woman who wrote that song and who was the one who was singing it, they just did a retrospective of it here in Minnesota, which I didn't get a chance to go to because she was actually there and performed it live. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Then there are also things like, I did the inflation calculator for how much they spent at the mall in the beginning scene. like, mm-hmm. the, the, And it's $500. They're valley girls. Yeah, I know, but, like, Julie's parents own a fucking health food restaurant, a.k.a. a store? So it was just kind of like, these things are interesting that you've decided to just, like, we just have a lot of suspended belief about how well your parents are doing. Her dad sells weed on the side, and that's how they pay for everything. Probably. It is interesting, um, the actress who plays Julie's mom is eight years older than she was at the time, or is eight years older than her. Mm-hmm. So, it, there, were, there were definitely a lot of adults playing teens vibes. Oh, for, for sure. Yay, acting roles and child labor laws. Mm-hmm. And weird semi-Romeo and Juliet homages yes well that's what that's what they said that the entire basis of the film was kind of loosely based around with weird nods to the graduate mm-hmm. yes and there also i was because i was watching some of the bonus features where cage was talking about the fact that they also didn't have like a super fleshed out script for it and a lot of the movie was actually just them improvising i could see I that i would totally believe that which for which especially for like an eighties film is very different. I mean, we have that like a lot now. Mm-hmm. But for back then, that was very unique. Even to the point where the guy who played Tommy said that both he and Cage got to do and choreograph their little great fight sequence from the end of the film. <laughs> <laughs> I would believe that. That is some dumb as hell teen boys fighting. <laughs> Which to the point where you said that he has been referred to as Kung Fu Guy ever since <laughs> he did that. That is amazing. I did appreciate the, we are introduced to supposed teen heartthrob Nick Cage while he is running awkwardly in the sand. Oh yeah, that, that opening bit of him getting introduced, loved that. Especially when he just has his little weird argument with Fred about how he doesn't want to go to a party. Right? I, I had to, like, I had to, like, figure out how long it would take to get from Hollywood to the Valley to try to, like, contextualize all of this and see, like, if anybody would do that today. Apparently it's between a 20 and 30 minute drive. So, no. no, that's like Bexley at a Grandview. Yeah. <laughs> things that only mean things to people from central Ohio. Yeah, but Devin lived in Bexley. Yeah, I, I'm aware okay. of this, okay. yes. Uh, yeah, but, and that might have been before they'd done all the construction out there to make the highway what it is. So it could have been longer, but yeah. Yeah. Great teen party scene. Nothing like a teen party hosted by parents. Yeah. Well, the girl's gotta seem party. Like, she gotta seem popular. It's very much, if you're going to do that, I'd prefer that you do it in the house. Yes, well, exactly. I did kind of, I was very confused as to, like, if Beth was Susie's mom or stepmom for a second there, and then, like, if if Lyle was the stepmom's boyfriend. That part has been very unclear. I always thought I was supposed to be stepmother. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I did too, but then I was confused as to who the fuck Lyle was. Yeah. I'm glad it's not just me. No, that parent group is always throwing me off. To me, though, it's, I love Julie's parents. They are fantastic. Julie's dad. One of the best dads in, like, an 80s film. Like the, I'm going to talk to you about things, but I'm going to have no idea what the hell I'm talking about, and I'm going to be awkward as hell about it. Mm-hmm. I did appreciate that. 
But unlike a lot of the dads in the 80s films, he is actually, like, genuinely supportive of whatever his daughter wants to do. Oh, yes, and not just like, oh my god, I cannot be scandalized, do not do this, no. Yeah. Yeah. So from that standpoint, it's, but yeah, that was very refreshing, unlike pretty much every other 80s movie that exists. Mm-hmm. I liked the amount of espionage that was done at the end to figure out where Julie was going to be and just, like, trying to, like, figure out, like, how the hell would you do that, like, pre-internet? Oh, who knows? He would need a mole. He would legitimately need someone to be calling him from a payphone and be like, hey, Randy, be at this movie theater at this time and maybe punch out the ticket taker so that you can do that maybe randy's got a bunch of cool jobs you don't know i mean good for randy if he does i do love that montage though Mm -hmm. it's it's a great montage the montage was a bright point of the movie along with drunk upset nicholas cage drunk upset cage also great Mm -hmm. going into the bathroom using the bathroom stall wrong Mm -hmm. oh my god tommy Looks so much like a weird 80s teen heartthrob, but make it Will Forte. I don't know, he's too thick to be Will Forte, though. But, like, the face and the hair. Mm-hmm. A, a bit. There's actually the person that I feel like he looked like the most, which was, if you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine, he looks a lot like Teddy. Do you think Tommy looks like Teddy? Teddy as in... No, no, he's too thick. See, but I think, nah, whatever. I create or disagree. I, I, I agree with Will Forte, especially that hair. It makes him sound like a uh, a guy who could be. I think they're definitely. The hair part for sure. Yeah. I think it's probably mostly the hair, but because the hair was such an important part of that whole thing. It was hard not to see that. So yeah, it was interesting. It is, it, God, it's just kind of amazing how much, like, casual, semi-sexual assault happens in 80s movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, that's like every 80s movie. I know, but just, like, every time I see it, it's just like, oh yeah, that's a thing we did. Okay, cool. Remember in Halloween when the two babysitters basically talked about having sex with the girl they were babysitting? Because I do. And that was also weird. <laughs> yeah. Again, the, like, allusions to The Graduate. Mm-hmm. I legitimately said, oh, this is The Graduate about 30 seconds before Beth said plastics. Mm-hmm. This is a porn where the guy doesn't know he's in a porn basically what a weird like subplot but not really like it is a weird subplot because it didn't go anywhere yeah Mm -hmm. it was like and also it was like a subplot that was like halfway through they were just like oh wait let's forget about this we don't need the subplot anymore and we're just gonna wrap it back up yeah and also like who the hell would think that was not if you'd been paying attention to what the hair colors were of those actresses there is no way in that shower scene you would not realize that was Susie because the actress had dark hair and wasn't a redhead. Yes. No, I agree with that. So, do you think in this movie Nick Cage was a good actor, Abby? I don't know. I really... Like I said, I think it's going to take me a couple movies to, like, get used to seeing him, like, and, like, Except that he's doing things sincerely, quite honestly. Because this, like, I would be willing to watch this one again after we've gone through more of his 80s period just to see, like, if I can get to a place where I feel like everything is more authentic. Mm -hmm. Because it did, like, everything about his performance just based on my current interactions with Nick Cage movies just felt... Like, he is doing a bit. Like, his entire performance just kind of felt like Nick Cage doing a bit as Teen Heartthrob. I guess I could see that if you have no experience with him. Yes. But yeah, it's going to be a 
quite a while before we have Meme Cage, with the exception of Vampire's Kiss. No, and that's fine. I just think it's going to be interesting to, like, see where this goes from here. For sure. It was definitely just, like, I'm not sure I can believe anything that's happening. I think almost in that way, like, the entirety, like, the movie, even though it was actually from 1983 and was a very, like, real teen movie, like, the entire thing almost felt like a parody of what we think of as a teen movie. I think almost because it was so authentic. Mm-hmm. Because it was, like, it, you know, essentially every single part of this movie became a trope. So... Oh, 100%. It was just kind of hard watching, essentially, 30 tropes strung together and, like, accepting, like, oh, yeah, this is the movie. Because this is what it was at the time. Someone has not seen Not Another Teen Movie. I have seen Not Another Teen Movie. Everyone's seen Not Another Teen Movie, Luke. It aired all the time on Comedy Central for, like, ten years. It did. <laughs> Censored. Censored, but yes. <laughs> yeah, so it's... It's interesting. I'm still not sure I buy teen heartthrob Nip Cage. I think part of that is because, like, my mind just kept flashing back to what his face looks like now. As an old man. Yes. Well, I guess as a middle-aged man. So it was kind of hard to be, like, I don't know. I, I have to say, like, I've seen, like, movies in, um... Like, other movies from this time where, like, I'm very familiar with what the actors and actresses look like now. Mm-hmm. But there was definitely, like, it was harder for me to divorce, like, current day Nick Cage face from 1983 Nick Cage face. And, like, accept him as, oh yes, this is an attractive man. That's right. He was 18 at this point in time, too. Where, yeah, National Treasure would have been late 30s. So yeah, you're basically still seeing little boy in a cage versus adult. <laughs> right. And, I don't know, in some ways, like, his before he got some wrinkles on his face, his, are, his eyes are a lot more, like, disillusioning, I guess, almost? Like, we watched the new Emma last night, and in the same way, I had to watch about half of it before I could get over um Anya what's her face's eyes anime Taylor Joy yeah so I might just have a thing for people with very prominent eyes and that it's very hard for me to like look at the rest of their face without like just seeing like eyes okay are you interested in the remake that is supposed to be coming out later this year? <laughs> I don't want to support anything that involves Logan Paul. That is fair. It and again, Which is it disappointing was disappointing because I love everyone else in that cast. Who who else is in that cast? Luke just told me that it got shelved because of Logan Paul. Well, Logan Paul got it shelved, but um, Jessica Roth is the person to be playing Julie, who is the girl from the Happy Death Day series. Uh, the best friend, I believe, is Chloe Bennett, who is in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as Quake. Shit, is that how they met? I believe so. Oh. Jesus. They have since, they have since broken up. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I've just been, like, wondering, like, how the hell those two people got together. And I'm not sure if I feel better or worse knowing that it was through a remake of Valley Girl. Uh, the girl plays Josie from, Jos- from uh, Riverdale. Is is in, is one of the Valley Girls, and then Mae Whitman is some some role. I believe that. I would be. Inter- I'm interested to know, like, if that remake is also just going to feel, like, if it will feel more or less like a bunch of tropes just strung together, because I feel like a re- remake of this movie truly will just be a bunch of tropes strung together, but like with like a less earnest ability to be like this is truly just like an 80s teen movie Mm -hmm. because it's like this is a bunch of tropes strung together about an 80s teen movie but we've reused all these tropes so much in the intervening years very yeah i can definitely see that yeah and hopefully they've recast logan paul i don't think they have 
Because that's my thing, is just, like, just reshoot some of those. Just reshoot all of the scenes. It's not like he's the lead. Right. Yeah, that was the other thing, is I was... Because we had talked about this being the, like, first role that Nick Cage was the lead in, it was kind of hard to be like, but he's not really... He is a lead, but the story focuses so much more on Julie than it really does on him. He's definitely the romantic lead, as opposed to the lead lead. He has no life outside of his relationship with Julie. That that part is fair. But he but he but he's easily the second. I guess the second main lead. Oh, absolutely! It was just like. From watching, like, I did watch the trailer, and I was expecting somehow a lot more of other subplots and a lot more of, like, if it were kind of more Romeo and Juliet, you know, seeing both of their private lives. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just hers. I think if we had seen that, it would have made the whole film feel less, like... If we had seen more of his personal life and his internal life, it would have felt less kind of creepy stalkerish, mm-hmm. which it felt like at points. A-, a bit, yes. Cause like the scene where he just goes from "I love you" to "Get the fuck away from me" in like one point five minutes. Like, if we had seen like anything else of him, his emotional life or his life outside of her, that wouldn't have felt. so so kind of like almost emotionally abusive for sure because for yeah well especially too because since he's like like kind of like an outcast type character if they'd show more of him being that right i think we de- yeah definitely could have then had a tailor into a little bit more of this is just him getting reinforced of i am an outcast people do not like me Right. Well, and, like, when we, like, the first initial leaving the party to drive into Hollywood, where he, I was expecting to see, I don't know what I was expecting in an hour and 40 minute movie, but I guess I was expecting to see, like, a lot of those people he had interactions with where he yelled out on the street to become more fleshed out than just, like, Randy's a cool guy who knows all these random people in L.A. and he's a very known person here. For sure. But yeah, with the runtime, I don't really know how much more they could have squeezed in. I don't know. It also felt, there. it felt, I think I asked Luke how much time was left about four times during this movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and I, three I, of those were in the last half hour. <laughs> well, it does kind of, it ramps up really quick, especially towards the end. It does, but then like the whole like, either I missed them talking about prom earlier in the movie or all of a sudden it was just like, oh, hey, it's prom time. Well, there was the montage where it was just uh, Randy and Julie going on several dates representing the passage of time. No, I know. But at the same time, they'd still only been together for two months was the given timeline we had. <sighs> so, and it was more just like the, there was something very about it that was just like, what are teens like? Teens do prom, so let's throw a prom scene in here without much actual, like, of the lead-up to prom, because I feel like in other movies that have had, like, the who's going to be prom king and prom queen sequence, that's more of a main plotline through more of the movie, where this it was just kind of like a, oh, we need another teen conflict, how can we get a need another teen conflict? prom i did love the teacher who was just very 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 needy and was making the prom speech all about her own upsetness oh for sure especially too because it's very clear that tommy is a jerk mm-hmm. yeah when she's saying how great they this prom queen and king are yes it was definitely kind of like I'm not sure how likable any of the characters really were either. Mm-hmm. Like, and again, it might just be the passage of time and, you know, being a decade out of high school at this point for myself, but it's kind of like the, all these teens suck. Yeah. I don't know. I like Fred. 
Fred's fun. Fred is good. But Fred also, like, Fred disappears and, like, has a person that he, like, he gets taken over by body snatchers at some point and goes from, like, horny boy to, like, very emotionally invested best friend. Well, that's what happens when your best friend Randy abandons you for a girl. <laughs> Randy. He just went to the library and read, like, all about, like, healthy remote emotional relationships and friendships and was just like, this is what I've been doing for the past two months while you've been getting with Julie. I was learning CPR. Now let me teach you how to actually get her back and not just cry on her front lawn. <laughs> it's going to involve a lot of punching a dude. I, I also, like. felt bad that he just let Randy get beaten up at the beginning of the film. Fair. Fair. I liked the um, suspension of um, belief in which he would not get arrested or told to leave if he just slept on her lawn all night. I don't know. Julie's parents seem to like anything seem to phase that's true. I guess we, uh, if we accept that all of Julie's neighbors are like her parents, then yeah, I could believe that nobody yeah. would call. It's the weed district of Van Nuys. <laughs> mm-hmm. I look at him running a health food store in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, I liked the idea that apparently they would have run this health food store, like, through Julie's entire life, but she would still not be used to eating any of this food, or, like, so it was still all just gross and bad. Well, it's always very interesting, too, even just, like, them talking about how, like, Randy's different, but it's just, like, while Julie's not different, her parents most certainly are, compared to just how everyone else acts. It's, like, even just from the fact that, yeah, I mean, like, they have the health food store, Dad was at Woodstock, Dad marched at Washington... That doesn't seem like anything else that, that anyone else was doing. No, that, that's that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought about that, but it's completely valid and true. Because, yeah. Especially, I guess, if you like contrast that with Susie and whoever the fuck Beth and Lyle are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they dress like yuppies where, yeah. Julie's dad, t-shirt in pretty much every single scene. Mm-hmm. Mom's never dressed up well. Yeah, no, it was... It was very interesting. Like I said, I would be willing to rewatch it and interested to rewatch it after seeing more of this, like, part of Nick Cage. And I guess part of this for me is just kind of like, oh, there's no, like... There's no way to really undo the cultural knowledge of Nick Cage without going through his filmography and kind of seeing where he went. Correct. Like, I I can't get the memes out of my head. I have seen the cutting board. Oh, this is a great cutting board. Thank you, Devin. So yeah, this this is going to be really interesting. I guess, like... I will have to say, like, I can't at this point say whether I think Nick Cage is a good or bad actor, but I definitely can see kind of, like, everything's kind of starting to fall away from me about the memes and the crazy Nick Cage. And, like, I do, I have read about his, like, financial troubles and stuff, so I can definitely see where, like, there was probably a period during that time where he just fucking started taking roles because he needed money. Oh, no, that's what's happening right now. Yeah, I mean, he's he's needed money for a good two decades now. A little bit less. Mostly just the last one. Which is why you can see, if you ever go to like, his filmography, how his filmography has practically doubled in the last ten years. No, that's totally fair. He has, like, seven movies slated to come out, like, this year, pretty much. Well, he did. I was actually reading an interesting thing where he was talking about why he even does that. It's, well, one, because he needs the money. But he never says that part out loud. But the other thing is most of his movies are direct-to-DVD or direct-to-video on demand. And his comment was it kind of allows him to make pretty much whatever movie because he has enough star power where he can get any video-on-demand movie greenlit with just his name. No, I, I can totally understand that. 
And there was, like, interesting listening to him talk about it, even just because with him having financial troubles of him being, like, I also make video-on-demand films because... The turnaround shorter, I get paid quicker. Well, that part, but even just, he, he was, like, looking out for the working-class American people. He's just like, what? Basically, it's just like, yeah, it was like, movie tickets cost, what, 10 bucks to go out? And you have to go, usually you'll go out and buy dinner. So you're going out with your girlfriend, your wife, your boyfriend, whatever, and you're just like, next thing you know, you're running up a $100 tab. It's just like, or you can stay, pop in, seven bucks lets you rent whatever my newest release is for both of you. You can make your own dinner at home. It's just like, and that's a huge money saver right there. Well, and I have his Wikipedia set up right now, and every film that has the uh, cross symbol on it is also a film that he produced. And so, yeah, make that production money. No, that's very interesting. I mean, that's good guy Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. But, holy shit, he was in G-Force? Is that the guinea pig thing? Uh-huh. Yeah, it was. Oh, God, that's amazing. It's on Disney+. Plus. God bless. And then it'll be about seven years before, after Valley Girl, but we're going to get to hit another phenomenal romantic cage film, which is David Lynch's Wild at Heart. I have not seen that one. It's Cage and Laura Dern. Nick Cage, Laura Dern, all directed by I David am, Lynch. I'm very excited to get to Peggy Sue Got Married. That's definitely one of those things where like, I meant to watch it for years and just never have and then I got taken off streaming sure I don't think I've seen that I don't think I've seen that one <laughs> well uh what do we want to watch next time Peggy Sue got me <laughs> what is Rumblefish Rumblefish is sort of like uh you ever see the Outsiders yeah it's it's off-brand it's Outsiders pre- no it's a prequel to it oh that's right you don't know about staying golden pony boy I've never, I don't know what Outsiders is. Oh, it's it's part of the 80s, 50s revival where they love <laughs> teen gangs on bikes. Well, also pretty much every high school made you read it. Not Bexley, though, because I did not have to read it. But every school I've since worked at forced all the kids to read it. I had to read it at, I think, vote? No, no, that would have been like 7th grade, I think. Actually, yeah, it was middle school that was made the kids read it. Yeah, we, we didn't read it in school, but... Yeah, that was before I had changed schools the second time. But Rumblefish is not a starring Nick Cage role. That is a very supporting role. Okay, Devin, well, we will throw it to you. And I think we have now seen the first. I think I definitely want to see a little bit more of Teen Heartthrob Nick Cage, because I really do want to see if... In, in seeing more of them, it becomes more like, believable. For sure. And the next one, well, I would say there's not as much teen romantic Nick Cage anymore. He'll be a little bit more of an adult. Because Moonstruck could probably be the next, well, I guess in Peggy Sue as well. The two next two romantic ones. Well, we want to. Do we want to keep this also in things that most people will have seen? Like, or do we want to do the more? I don't know if commercially successful is the right word, but I, I mean, there's definitely going to be a point where those are no longer a thing. Well, yeah, but oh. like, I've never. I've also never seen Raising Arizona. Is oh, that Raising the one with Arizona. The baby. Is, yep. Okay. Raising Arizona is great. Yeah. So I think it's also interesting because like. I'm aware of a lot of these movies. I'm just like, holy shit! Is Amos and Andrew like an Amos and Andy thing? That's what the titles rip off of. That has nothing to do with the movie. The movie itself probably very bad. I enjoy it. It is Sam Jackson goes to a cabin to write his book. The local sheriff sees a black man going there tries to have him arrested, realizes what he's doing, oh crap, so he hires Nick Cage, who's a con, to go try to take him hostage so that he can then try to undo his own racist things. And it turns into a weird comedy. That sounds terrifying, but amazing? Dabney Coleman is the police officer who gets Nick Cage to do it. Wow. Well, uh, what are we doing next time, Devin? I don't know. What do I feel it? 
I guess what genre? I mean, we can just do Peggy Sue Got Married. Let's, oh. do, let's just do Peggy okay. Sue Got Married. Yeah, for like Young Nick Cage, I would say the next one would be Peggy Sue or Birdie, which I've not seen that one. Well, I mean, okay. the, the nice thing, I guess, is that the next one, if we do either one of those, it'll be something that none of us have seen. Mm-hmm. So we'll mm-hmm. kind of have fresh eyes on our Nick, on our cage. We can do Peggy Sue. Okay, sounds good. Cool. Uh, we well, need to come up with a name for this. Yeah, I mean, my loose thought is I'm just going to do a weird, uh, meaty version of Despite All My Rage for the, uh... Despite All My Cage? <laughs> or Despite All My Rage, I'm still just watching every Nick Cage. Um, or there's the other one, which I still think is a good one, which is the title of his upcoming film from next year, where he will be playing himself as he has to call upon all of his past acting roles. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. Oh, my God. It's it's like... The unbearable weight of massive talent? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like in Mexico, I think. It's like some person's like a huge fan of him, but then like terrorists show up so then he's gonna like see like a fictionalized version of all of his different acting roles to kind of like coach him to get him to escape and save the day oh my god oh my god so the unbearable weight of nick cage that certainly works or something like that yeah (laughs) let's just do that the unbearable weight of nicholas cage well uh let's do the roundup where people can be found online if they want to be found online Oh, please let me find out what my Twitter handle is. Uh, yep. Uh, Devin and I currently do the Multiversal Q podcast, which is probably why, which is likely why you ended up listening to this. You can find that at multiversalq.com. Uh, I am Luke. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Coltreg. That's K O L T R E G. Devin, what about you? You can find me online at Fred Fett. That's F R E D D O F E T T. And Abby, where can people find you? You can find me online at Twitter at Abnonymous, that's A-B-B-N-O-N-O-M-Y-M-O-U-S. I did not think through saying my Twitter handle when I created it. Well, uh, that wraps us up for this first episode of the podcast. Look forward to the next one when we get it done. And we'll be reviewing Peggy Sue Got Married. But then what happens? The inevitable divorce that happens to a new set of Americans, especially in the mid-80s. The unbearable weight of the massive uh, percentage of likeliness of divorce. No, but your faces. (laughs) (laughs) Catch you on the flip mode.